Hey, how's that for shifting on the fly this morning, huh? There's been a lot of shifting on the fly today. I woke up at 3.30 this morning out of nowhere. You ever have one of those days and you just can't fall asleep? And so you know what I did? I preached my message to myself. And I still couldn't fall asleep. I'm like, how can my church people do it? Just kidding. Uh, hey, we're back in the book of James, and I have, I've really missed it. I've missed being there, and I just invite you to go ahead and grab your copy of the scriptures and um, turn to James chapter 1. We're toward the end of the, of the book, and grab your uh, East Bay Weekly and look on the back there. We're going to work together <clears throat> the last number of verses of James chapter 1. James is in the ba- uh, last portion of your copy of the scriptures, if you find like the book of Hebrews, just go a little bit farther to the right. If you find the book of Revelation, go a little bit farther to the left. We're talking about faith, and this past week I was on eBay, and I did a weird search for things that um, didn't work. And ironically, I found a number of things on eBay that actually don't work that they're trying to sell. And let me, um, I'll read down through some of these that they were going down through. There's a Sony PlayStation 2, originally game console, and, and they put right in it, doesn't work. Here's another one, an Alpine SWE 1243 subwoofer doesn't work. Compact H. 3955 and cradle doesn't work or hold charge. I guess if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter if it holds a charge, you know. Now, this person really missed a marketing opportunity. He says, there's a DuPont engineering desk clock for display only doesn't work. They could have said, is right twice a day. Here's another one. There's an iPod, 80 gigabyte, doesn't work, broken hard drive, or a Nintendo 64 system broken, doesn't work. But then there's some marketing gurus, and I, I really like this. This was really cool. These people are pretty creative. They know how to maybe add a little extra substance to it, maybe to entice you to bid. Check this out. Quantum Bantam Battery doesn't work, but looks good. Huh? Ooh. Honey, it doesn't work, but it looks good. <gasps> Here's this one. Motorola V265 Verizon. Looks fine, but doesn't work. Or a Memorex DVD player with remote doesn't work, but looks excellent. <gasps> wow, let's buy it. You know, I, really? I, I, whether or not, you know, it looks good or not, here's the crazy thing. All these things have one thing in common. Besides the fact that they don't work, Some of them look great and some of them don't look great. 
Here's the one thing they all have in common. You ready for this? Guess what the bid on all of them is? Zero. Because guess what they're all worth? Zero. Because they don't do anything. You know, have you ever been to a yard sale and you want to buy something electronic? And you go up there and one of the first things you ask is, yeah, does it work? Does, and, and of course they're going to say, oh, yeah, 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 it does. And then you ask the follow-up question, can I plug it in? And of course you're outside in their yard and kind of feel weird asking that, but you know what? You're not going to go all the way home and then, you know, you find out it doesn't work and so... You know, I want to plug this thing in. I want to make sure that it really works because I don't want to buy something that doesn't work and go all the way home and find out it doesn't. Then you really feel weird going back and doing a return. You don't get a receipt at a yard sale for anything like that. And, you know, if it works, I want it. If it doesn't work, you can keep it because the reality is the value of this thing is bound up in the reality if it truly works or if it doesn't. And that's kind of the road that James walks us down today in James chapter 1 and starting in verse 26. And he's going to give us this idea about religion. And he gives us this idea, you know, religion isn't there just for maybe how it looks. It's there for how it works and how it performs. And, and it's interesting how he leads off in verse 26. And I just want to work us through a few verses. We're going to see how he delves through this passage and even some evidences of the efforts and work of religion and how it becomes valuable to the individual and even the others around and not just how it maybe looks to those people from the outside. So check these verses out, starting in verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accept, accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And that's where we'll finish today. I think that's probably enough for us to talk about today. Those who consider themselves religious. This is a broad word here, religious. And James is using this broad word drawing upon the imagination of the people he's talking with and he's he's really trying to kind of conjure their thoughts about these maybe religious rituals or the outward acts of worship kind of this you know i'm religious because i go to church or I'm religious because I sing religious songs, or I give, or I'm a church officer, or I'm an usher, or, you know, whatever may be the case. 
And James is showing true religion isn't necessarily shown by going through ceremonial motions. And, and this isn't a new thought. This is addressed all the way throughout Scripture. Jesus deals with this in a number of other situations. And so here when we come to this passage, James is saying, you know what? I, I'm not really concerned about maybe how it looks. I'm not concerned about people saying, you know, I look good in my religion. He's asking the question, does it work? Is it doing what it's supposed to be doing? Does this thing function the way it was supposed to function? And it's really a probing question, and truthfully, as we get started on this thing, it's a terribly convicting thing. And I'm going to tell you, this is probably the worst week for me to be preaching this message. And you're going to find out why in just a second. And, and even the worst thing is, we record these things. You'll find out why about that in just a second. So with that said, James touches on three very practical ways where he says, okay, does it work? And here's three ways that our religion should work. Not does it look good, but should it work? And here's three tests of how it works. <clears throat> religion proves that it works or proves its value. And here's a few different ways. Number one... It controls its speech. It controls its speech. Boy, I wish church attendance were the true test of spirituality. But James starts by addressing something that we do more than any other activity. And that's talk. Do you realize the average person, are you with me on this? The average person spends one-fifth of his or her life talking. Do you realize that? One-fifth of his or her life talking. And do you realize our church is full of above-average people? Do you realize that? One-fifth. If all of our words were put into a book, a single day's words would fill a 50-page book. While a year's time, the average person's words would fill 132 books of 200 pages each. And I would encourage you spouses not to look at each other right now. And if you think you're doing really well in the speech category, I would encourage you not to take on a plumbing project this week. That's what I did. Let me tell you, if you're a plumber, or if you do plumbing projects, you need to be thankful for the doctrine of eternal security of your salvation. Because if you're a plumber and you don't believe that, there may be multiple times in a day that you are not going to heaven. Plumbing is wow. 
That is a difficult, difficult thing. And here's what the text says. And yet do not keep, here's the two words, a tight rein on their tongues. The translation literally, it shows an imagery of the word um, and it means technically to bridle, just like the bridle and bit that goes into a horse's mouth. And in just a a few weeks, we're going to be in chapter 3, and we're going to be actually talking about the bit and bridle that goes in a horse's mouth, and you realize what it does on the tongue and how it clamps down on the tongue, and a horse really resists that, but that's how you gain control of the horse is by putting pressure in there, and, and it likes to kind of maneuver and push back against that. It wants to be able to have as much range of motion and doesn't want that control on it. And and the text says, you know, we got to be able to clamp down on that thing because that tongue really gets us into a lot of trouble. And I don't know if you've been there. I've been there. My tongue's gotten me in a lot of trouble before. And I can say, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm doing pretty well with my tongue, but, but the operative words are tight rain. Tight rain. And when I think of tight rain, and then I end up thinking of plumbing. Wow. Or you can add your thing in, and if you think of tight rain, and then you can think of rumors or you can think of jokes or you can think of slander or you can think of judging or name calling or demeaning or criticizing or mocking or dominating or maybe failing to speak up or whatever may be the case and you realize how critical this whole thing of tight rein is and, and we understand that maybe showing up to church or giving or whatever, and, and we could say, yeah, it looks good. Religion can look good, but now that we're talking about, but does it work? And he says, okay, test number one is, is what comes out of our mouth? Wow. It's a big test. And, and I asked myself, so why is what comes out of my mouth such a big reflection on my religion? And, and one of the big words and verses that Jesus gave in the Gospels, he said this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And here's how I've related it to myself, that my tongue isn't connected to the back of my mouth. The tongue is actually connected to my heart. And when people go off, at the end of their rant and railing, oftentimes they'll say, sorry, I don't know where that came from. I just don't even know where that came from. I don't know where those words came from. And Jesus' words are pretty true. Where it really came from is our heart. That's where it came from. That's where it all started. That's where all speech starts. 
Our tongue is a relief valve of the heart. And for the heart that is listening to the Word of God and doing what it says, that's what comes out our tongue. So for a watching world that sees our claims to a working religion, hey, my religion works, our speech goes a long ways. Speech full of grace and love and joy and encouragement and soft answers that turn away wrath and respect and teaching. They won't be impressed by church attendance stickers, but what holds value to them is what first comes out of our mouths. Here's the second evidence that we listened and do God's word is when we, number two, care for others. Verse 27. So the first evidence of a working religion is a tight rein on our tongue. And the second evidence of it is verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so we see value. And when we ask, does it work? And evidence of that is it cares for others. This is an interesting display here that James says. He says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. And it's amazing because I've gotten into discussions with people and I've heard people argue and debate about maybe what God accepts in religion. I've heard people discuss and debate about what needs to happen in the worship service, and this is what God accepts, and this is the type of worship style he accepts, and this is the type of worship service he accepts. This is how he wants things in the service. This is how he desires things in the service. Well, here, pretty much he displays how he wants things to be, and the religion that God really loves and embraces is one that cares for others. The things that touch God's heart and gain his approval are issues of love and care for each other. I, I, in your notes, would you pen these two passages? And I'm just going to read them quickly for you. Psalm 68, 5. Let me read this for you. It says, sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. He's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. That's God in his holy dwelling. Here's another one. It's Isaiah 1. And he mentions, he's talking about their sacrifices, and he says, what are your sacrifices to me? I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fatted animals. I have no pleasure in all of these sacrifices that you're giving to me. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. Your new moons, your Sabbaths and convocations, your worthless assemblies. I've had enough of them. And then he gets down here, he says, wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. 
Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. The reason why God loves to see compassion to the needy and the reason why it's a reflection on the power of religion is because caring ministry to those truly in need mimics the character of God. Here's why we do things like deck the dresser. I'm so proud of you. And in fact, I just got an email last week that our Deck the Dresser has its first recipient coming down the pipeline. Can you imagine the look on their face when this thing comes? I can't always say that I do well because life gets busy. And our schedule gets full, and we overlook people with genuine needs. But to have a heart that God has, we need to block out time to care for others. Because when we say, but does your religion work? That's something that it's got to be there. I think I told you in the past about a time that my family was in Lancaster and, um, and reluctantly it was a time that our religion did work and as we worked through the goodwill and there was this woman there and what struck in my heart was while we were picking out things that we wanted for the fun of it, she was working through and she had four children and in her cart was a vacuum cleaner and that was the only thing in there. And I knew in my heart something was significant and, and, and my wife could see that I was concerned that something wasn't quite right and, and I kept looking at this situation that was going on. I kept looking at the woman. I kept looking at the children. And my wife said, what is wrong with you? It's not the first time she said that. And I, I just, I said, honey, I just feel like we should pay for that woman's vacuum cleaner. She said, well, go pay for it. This it's just not that easy. It's not like if you walk up to this woman and you're like, we'd like to pay for your vacuum cleaner, you know. And, and I, I just remember feeling weird about that and walking up once and, and then walking by, you know, and not doing anything and then kind of walking up and then I saw the price tag there and kind of eyeing up how much it was and then continuing on and and, and then finally I'm like, let's just go for it. And I went up to her. I said, this is probably one of the weirdest things you've ever heard, but 
wants me to pay for your vacuum cleaner. And I just remember her just starting to cry. And um, she told me how she's a single mom. But she cleans house for a living. And her vacuum died. And she's using her last money to be able to buy a vacuum cleaner so she can keep cleaning house. She says, I just started going to this Baptist church. I said, oh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> and uh, you know, our deacons just did something special this month. where they graced eight different recipients with gift cards just randomly to care for them. And I wish you could hear some of the stories that they have from some of what they were able to do. It's just really special. But when, when we ask, does your religion work? This is a big part of it. So it, it watches our speech, it cares for others, and here's the last one. It guards its reputation. It guards its reputation, and, and here's how James describes it. It says, um, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, there's a need and, and you step in and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And that's, that's a tall order today, folks. I don't know if we realize how big of a deal that is. The word unspotted or free from blemish. And it's this whole image of the sacrificial lamb back in the Old Testament time. And whenever they wanted to provide a lamb for sacrifice, they would look for one that, that was unspotted, like there, there were no blemishes on it. There was no, nothing that would look peculiar. They wanted to provide the very best one for this sacrifice to God. And so he's giving this, this presentation, this idea that when when we give our lives to God as a sacrifice, that we try to give him a reputation that is blemish-free, that in our lives, in our attitudes, in our actions, that really that we have a blemish-free life to him of the things that he considers blemishes like selfishness and pride and self-centeredness and judgmentalism and harshness and impatience and materialism and sinful dabblings and lust and all of these things, that we look out for those things. That we keep ourselves unspotted. Those are things that, that really matter if we say, does, does it really work? 
The, the interesting thing, if you look up just a little bit farther, um, when he says those who consider themselves religious, if they don't keep a tight rein on their tongue, they deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. That word worthless, it means literally no force. No force, no results. It's not going to have any impact. It's not going to do anything to the world around. If all we do, if all we have for our religion is we attend, I, yeah, I go to church. I give. And then I go home, and then I live my life. That has absolutely no redeeming force on our world. I think we understand that. That's a no bid on spiritual eBay. However, a life, if we flip this on its head, religion that is active, that is attached to a transformed life, that is attached to changed speech, a caring heart, a pure life, these things are a mega force. They produce results. They impact people. They pack a punch. They have a story to tell. They make a difference in your workplace or with your family, with your neighbor. These things influence people around. And it's not easy to do. I want to give you three things and we'll finish up. Just find a spot there on your thing and write them in, and then we're going to finish these up. Thanks for the extra time. Um, I was going to take it anyway, but thank you. Thank you for it. I really appreciate it. These things aren't easy to do. We need help on the inside. You know, cleaning up your speech won't get you to heaven. I think you realize that. Caring for others won't get you to heaven Having a pure life won't get you to heaven. But it's recognizing, folks, and what these folks told us about when they got in the tank today, putting your faith and trust in Jesus. When you believe that he died on the cross for you, and you give your life to him, and you're forgiven, then you got some help on the inside. To start doing these things, truly living for him. That's the first step. So the first step in having a forceful religion, in having an impacting religion, a religion that works is to recognize that Jesus needs to be the boss of your life. Jesus needs to be the boss of your life. That's an influential religion. That's a religion that works. If we're the boss, it ain't going to work. It's a no-bitter. But if he's the boss, boy, this thing's got a chance. He can help us from the inside. We can have a life of influence. Here's number two. Set specific goals 
in speech and compassion and reputation. I would identify, identify areas of growth. For some of us, a specific goal in speech will be this, hire a plumber, okay? Hire a plumber, it just ain't worth it. Some of us, it might be, you know what, I've, I struggle with gossip. You know what, I'm selfish with my time. You know what, I don't care so much about my reputation when it comes to these things. I need to clean them up, identify them, and set some specific goals. Here's number three. Ask God to give you a faith that has influence for others to see and want. Ask God to give you a faith that has influence for others to see and want. They won't be impressed by our attendance. I realize that. But you know what? We can grab a hold of that flappy thing inside our mouth. That's a big deal. We have a heart of compassion for others. That's a big deal. We have a reputation of integrity. It's a big deal. That's influence. That's faith that works. That's something valuable. That's something people want to bid on. That's a life of transformation. That's something he can use. You know what? And I would love for us to think about how God can use that in our life. And in fact, if you would, would you just for a moment close your eyes with me? I'd love for you to think about how God can use that in your life right now. And in fact, I know that he can. All of us have things we can grow in. And I'm not sure what your step is today. I know what mine is. What's your step? How can you grow? What's your influence point? Because you're a child of God. And he wants our world to know that. Not just you're a church attender. He wants the world to know your life has been changed. That this thing really does work. He wants you to be an influencer. What needs to be kicked up a notch? Would you think about it? I want you to take a moment of silence and I want you to tell him about it right now. Would you make a commitment to God in your heart and in your mind right now? God, this is a thing. This is something that I need to step up a notch in my life to be an influencer a difference maker is a child of God. I want people to see it right now. I want to be active.
Here's a moment of silence for in your heart you to tell God right now. Do it, would you? God, we're yours, eternally yours, stamped with your spirit, washed by your son, forgiven, anointed, destined for holiness. And I pray, Father, that you would make us a very special spectacle of people that our world would see a working religion a faith that is active that mesmerizes and influences them in a dynamic way not just attend not just givers, not just people that go through the motion, people that live it. And may it make a difference to those around. Use us, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, stand with us. Let's celebrate for a moment together in song.